Welcome to the Creative Land Podcast Network. Join us as we share our favorite RPGs, one-shot games, tabletop games, reviews of items, and convention panels, and other exciting things that we run into from time to time. Sit back and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Kelly, a.k.a. Trixie from Ragnarok and Roll, a sign to Ragnarok story, and Tilda Wimblewick from D&D Journey of the 5th Edition. First off, I would just like to say thank you to everyone for listening to our varied adventures, as well as for rating us on iTunes and RPGpodcast.com. If you haven't rated us yet, we would greatly appreciate it if you could. And if you're looking for more ways to support our efforts, we are now on Patreon, a great site where you can help us continue making more podcasts, as well as some special surprises for our patrons. If you can, please look us up at www.patreon.com cppn. Every little bit helps. And again, thank you for listening. This panel is cosplay for everybody and everyone. And I'll go ahead and let our panelists introduce themselves, starting with Jared. Hello. My name is Jared Pike, and uh, I am Mr. Pike from Peculiar Pikes. My wife, Kristen, is upstairs in the MacGyver panel. And... um, I am uh, probably the newest to cosplay in this group, um, but uh, I love it. That's awesome. Sorry, paparazzi. Wendy, speak up. Hi, I am Wendy Trakis, and I've been costuming for, I did the math, for 24 years now. Um, on again, off again. I still hate to sell, but I do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, my name is Madame Askew, and I've been putting on uh, funny clothes all my life. Um, I have no desire to stop doing that. Um, my grandmama uh, enabled me with a box of funny clothes from Goodwill when I was wee. And uh, I've been sewing and making my own costumes for more than 20 years. Just leave it. <laughs> Hello, I'm Kelly Springer. I too have been uh, costuming for over, well over 20 years. Um, uh, uh, but cosplaying the last uh, um, 10, I would say, I, I have a background in theater, uh, so. But I've always wanted to play dress up myself. <laughs> Ever since I was a little kid, I often made my own costumes, even before I taught myself to sew. Um, uh, so, that's me. And I'm Laura Fulmer, also known as the Brandywine. My husband is upstairs in the MacGyver panel. Um, and I've been costuming for most of my life for me and for my family. Um, I've got three kids that some of you may have seen about. Um, so. <laughs> it's alright. No, no one's judging on the map. So, um, alright, so. Um, let's start with what do you look for, if anything, in a costume to accommodate for your body type? Question. I'll start. I typically can't find things on the rack. Uh, so uh, I look for accessories that I can purchase, maybe, but I look for patterns that I can alter to fit my body type and stuff. So some promotional patterns uh, lend themselves a little bit easier to um, larger uh, um, uh, body types, uh, but then others need a whole lot more work. So um, I, I pretty much try to uh, adapt ones that are designed more for. Well, so that's how I find out who is running it. That's who has the cable last. 
I um, I can get some things off the rack, so pants mostly. No. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the more I get into costuming and other things, I find out interesting things like I'm short waisted. Okay. That cute. You know, I'm sure um, too, and I found yeah. out because of her. Yeah, like that's you know, and, and like, hey, like this doesn't fit right. Why does my vest not? And there's a gap between my. Well, maybe you're short twisted. Exactly. I'm gonna have to look that up. And, oh, let's take the measurements. Yeah, that's a thing. So you know, and, and finding those things out, and then also like you know, they have these male you know body types and stuff, and you're like, that doesn't work for me as. Somebody with an extra chromosome and, you know, other things, it's like, I don't fit into this square hole because I'm a round peg, and, you know, and so finding those things, oftentimes you just have to make those things or alter the things that you find on the rack. Yeah, and like I said, I, I, I avoid sewing when I can. Um, so I do thrift and look for things on the rack and that I can modify. So if it doesn't look great, I mean, if it's, if it's larger, if there's enough fabric, if there's, it can be modified with some effort. Um, I, I, I actually, when I, when I work on, when I actually sew with patterns and fabrics, if I spend a goodly amount of money on the fabric, chances are it's not going to be. It's like, you're so yeah, buying stuff. Thrifter um, is really great for for me for the way that I put costumes together because I can usually find stuff that's probably not quite my size, maybe a little bigger, maybe doesn't quite fit my shape that I can change and and add to or or modify in some way. So I look for what I call inclusive sizing when I'm looking at patterns because I am short, I am a K cup, um, I have a little waist for my figure, I have narrow shoulders, I'm long waisted so I, from here to here, it's like I'm five foot eight and then I have my legs which are stumpy. And I've had a love-hate relationship with all my life. Um, so I tend to sew for myself on purpose. As when I got into costuming, I could not find things that fit my body type. But when I am shopping, um, I look for stretch. I look for something that's stretchy here and has a waist. Otherwise, I look like I'm smuggling bowling balls, um, which is a look I'm avoiding. And uniboob is a thing that happens. So I wear, I look for a lot of stretch. Um, and I also look for separates. Because I'm long-waisted and have short legs, dresses are a challenge. Either they're wildly shorter than I want with my runty little legs mm. or they're uh, so long I'm like don't mind me I tripped over my dress <laughs> I'm dead back here with my hems so um, I'm terrible at altering items I buy in thrift stores it's like a weird hole I have in my creative process so I try and get things that um fit uh, into a niche and um, which is why I cheat by sewing that might not seem like cheating to you but to me it does because I watch my friends like Wendy do amazing things with what they've thrifted I'm like oh, I don't know how you did that it's magic, black magic did you, you sell you? your soul at a crossroads <laughs> <laughs> So maybe that answered the question. But I'm kind of on the same page with Wendy. I do a lot of thrift store shopping because I mean, when you buy them for five people, oh, there it you go. ends up costing a lot. Even if you're making it yourself, it ends yes, up costing yes. So yeah, we do a lot of thrift store shopping, and I have one daughter who is the body type that everything is made for. Huh. 
but no one else in my family has that luxury. My husband has really long arms, um, so if he buys a shirt that fits him in the torso, the sleeves only go to here. So yeah, yeah. Jared has that problem. Yeah, yeah this one doesn't. <laughs> so, that's okay. But yes, generally speaking. Oh, this fits nice, and then it's like you're like, oh, I can roll these sleeves. That's fine. These we can roll these sleeves. Generic that's anything but generic because uh, no, no, no few people. Big and tall is a lie. Yes, it is. You know, and for me, I carry all my weight in my waist, you know, and on my hips. And so it's like if I put it on, like, okay, it fits nice up top and everything, and then I get to my belly and it's like and you can't pop buttons out you know like, yeah. so okay 2x but then I'm off my shoulder and I'm not you know so it's like right it doesn't here. fit yeah. 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 instead of on your shoulder <laughs> well this is the lie as you say big and tall um, patterns standard patterns are graded and they grade the length the same way they grade the width and so, if you are short, shorty like me, but wide, I'm especially, I'm especially wide one place in my body. It's my area that's challenging. And um, tracks are fair. Yes, they're very fast. <laughs> and they tell their own jokes at this point, and they have their own diplomatic call. It's amazing. But um, everything's graded, so they assume if you're wide this way, you must also be tall. And so uh, that's a lie, of course. At the same degree as we saw for Dirk's sleeves and your sleeves, if your if your arms are this long, they must you must be this wide. But if you're this narrow, you must have T-Rex arms. <laughs> um, so grading is is sort of a full of lies and calumny. We don't like it. And certainly, like, you and I actually have the same size, but we're dramatically different. I'm taller than her, but she's long-waisted. I'm short-waisted. So nothing will ever, we could never really share anything, yeah. <laughs> except an overcoat. We can, we but can An overcoat we can although, share. Although, although, she lent me her overcoat. <laughs> And the sleeves go past my feet. <laughs> so I, I have to roll them up. Um, but it's like too much than too little. She has the narrow back and I'm built like a linebacker. I mean, a very sexy linebacker. I feel like you have really solid, good broad shoulders. I think Kelly and I could share. I could steal stuff out of yeah, you. You yeah. two could. I've measured you both. I know the truth. She actually has a single file full of everybody's measurements. That's it's, true. It's, it's like it's like a witch book, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now, now I have a character from your story. 
Oh, good. I said, no, I do have a spreadsheet of all of my clients' measurements together. It is my little secret. Yes, because I hate making courses, so I so What steps do you think we could take to make cosplay more interesting for Oh, that's a good question. Mm -hmm. um, so I like to have panels like these, where we talk about it. Um, I also think it's very important to have honest conversations and just represent and be visible. So sometimes, merely by being that really obnoxious uh, extrovert that I am, who's willing to go out and like make a spectacle, people are like, Look at that of a skew. She's short, stumpy legs, very large, and apparently doesn't care. <laughs> uh, she's still out there cosplaying, having a good Looking time. Looking fabulous. And, yes. 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 And hopefully somebody can also go, you know what? That looks like fun. Yeah, I don't I have do the that. body yeah. type that Hollywood wants, but I can do that too. Yeah. I can have fun. But I think you do that too. I do that too, yes. Because you two are going out and being bold and wearing really beautiful clothes that you fit gorgeously, very boldly, representing a taller lady who can reach things. I collect tall people. That's <laughs> what I do. What? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm the shortest person on this panel. I'm only 5'5", five five, don't... Yes? Hey, you're I, tall I, I still have to ask for him. They're all taller. Yes, you know. <laughs> I'm 6'6". Six, six. He can read all of He's taller than Derek, so That's you true. would read though. That's true. My yeah. wife is 5 foot. That's adorable. Yeah. Little step stools in every room. Yes, there are. I'm she learning. doesn't use any of them. Why? She has you. Honey. Pretty much. Get this down for me. I'm resting my eyes, sweetheart. So, so I, I derailed a little bit, but yes. But how are ways we can improve? Um, I think just making it more known on how to, um, giving those helpful tidbits of where to find those things. Um, you know. Goodwill and Savers and other thrift stores get you so far, um, but then knowing how to take things in or, or having that, that sewing skill and not being afraid to try something. Or even, and, and I've had several people um, just say, you know, I, I go to the thrift store, but I really don't know how to look, how to look for something, because you, you wind up with like just a rack full of long sleeve shirts, for example. Let's say you're looking for something for Victorian something. And it, it's the, the whole idea is, is, for me, I go through and I look for colors and fabrics that I know I'm gonna be comfortable in and then I go through whatever I kind of see on the rack at that point. And then if there's something there, I'll pull it and try it. I, and, and it could be something that I wouldn't have thought of like a lace top or something, and I want to try. Actually, I, I'm really long-waisted too, and when I go to the thrift stores, I stand back and I look at the bottom. Yep, the length. Yeah, yeah. 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 The, ones that are the length of the shirt is important because a lot of times they're cut really, really short. And even I'm short-waisted, and even that, you know, well, I'm also endowed, and and so women's shirts a lot of times will ride up. Uh -huh. um, and they'll look fine from, from here to here, and then Being nobody wants to see, yeah. <laughs> I don't want that draft. I, no, it gets Her, chilly. Is it cold yeah. yeah. My belly button has not seen the light of day in like 35 years, <laughs> and it's very happy well, with that temperature. <laughs> well, for, for guys, if you haven't thought about it, shirt stays. Shirt stays are your friend. Oh. Actually, do it. Just define shirt stays. Oh my god! It's a clip with some elastic, and it runs up to your shirt. From your sock. From your sock. Oh, hold your sock up. There, and hold your sock up, and then you clip it on the tail it's of your on. shirt, and just run it up both sides, and then it'll hold your shirt in. And it'll keep and, your socks up. And it'll keep your socks up. On top of that, I found out from the military. It put, and I was looking at one of my buddies like, dude, you're wearing a garter. And he's like, that's not what it is. It's a 
a shirt stay. It's a shirt stay, and this is this is how you make it, and it's elastic, and I'm like, really, really, and now I'm like, I love them. <laughs> <laughs> I sometimes make the granddaughter to wear them. And it, you know, and it just helps with that because of finding that length of a shirt and making sure it's period right. correct and not, you know, a modern collar or whatever it needs to be. And it's going down the sides of the It's legs. going down my outer sides. Okay. Yeah. I don't have one on today because I'm wearing a more modern shirt that's for tall guys. So it they just, it still you know, pops by. I, I, I knew about shirt stays, but I, I, wasn't, I wasn't thinking about it. That would work for the slightly shorter women's shirts, mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. Especially if you had a skirt over it that was a little high yeah. Yeah. in a way so that it would cover that up. And then you wouldn't have to worry about it untucking or pulling out. And I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Women's garters go just down. Yeah. <laughs> I was given a couple of dresses uh, years ago, and they came down your knees, but they didn't want to stay down. Oh, they yeah. were right up because they were older. They were used. Mm -hmm. So I did. I used black elastic up from the top of the dress down to the top of my boots. And it kept my boots up, my dress down. I could dance and not worry about nice. it. Nice. I, I would wore uh, suspenders on a skirt once mm -hmm. because it was a, um, uh, a two-level, a low, high-low. And um, uh, it was just way too big in the waist. And if I, pleating it gave it the wrong wrong shape uh-huh no. it, it just made it and it didn't work with the so I wore uh, suspenders um, underneath the bodice to hold up the skirt without Perfect. I mean because normally if like on the skirt that I'm wearing right now I could just put more pleats in the back but that wouldn't work for this because it was a bustled skirt um, uh, that was you know it would be exposed because it's a very short bodice too so to keep everything in place, I wore suspenders. Nice. So I've actually encountered the problem, depending on the skirt shape and maybe whether it's a, a an elastic as opposed to one that, that you know just fastens around and, and is and some of them they fall down because I'm kind of falling down there. And some of them, they go, oh, no, I'm just going to queen. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right under the yeah. <laughs> and They become an empire waist without <laughs> Empire waist, and, they, and you get the nice flowing train effect in back. And <laughs> but you don't really necessarily want that. I didn't mean to show my knees. But sometimes that has to do with, like, how the side seams and the hip ratio is on the skirt to waist. Sometimes it's merely a, a fabric friction thing. Mm -hmm. There's uh, this wonderful stuff if you're not sensitive, your skin is not sensitive, uh, fashion tape. You can tape your clothes in place if they're moving. Um, or there's this other stuff called sock glue that people use. You know, for this really, here's a lie. That I'm going to debunk for you. You know those really tall stockings that all the people wear—they're all the way up to their thighs—and they're like, ha ha ha! Look at me running around. My stockings never fall. La, la, la. Not that higher. No, no, mid, 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 yeah. 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 Right, and they're like, oh, those two oh, and they don't stay up. Right, they do they not do. stay up on anybody. <laughs> the, the 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 trick is sock glue. You roll it on, and it, it adheres your stockings. It's like a repositionable adhesive that will wash off. <laughs> it was invented in Japan, because that's how they roll. <laughs> <laughs> and it can be more comfortable than wearing a garter belt. It also, it signals something different, right? Like exposing a garter belt, even though it's like actually covering up slightly more skin, is considered slightly more risque. So usually we want to tuck the garter belts away unless that's the look we're going for. And so sock glue makes it look more like I'm just an ingenue with long stockings and I'm fine and I'm just springing around and they won't fall by magic. So you can also glue things in place. Um, sometimes 
It's about underpinnings. Obviously, I'm very big on foundation garments because I wear a lot of vintage and historical fashion. And so for me, none of those fashions, regardless of body shape, ooh, I have a tangent I could go on. Um, regardless of body shape, you need underpinnings. So this is my tangent. You can roll me back in because I'm the worst. Uh, many years ago, I wanted to make a Cranach gown. Does anyone know what that is? So this beautiful medieval gown that uh, all these redheads in Germany wore, and there are lots of paintings of them, and I'm a redhead. So in my 20s, I was like, ooh, I want to wear the redhead girl German gown. That sounds really fun. But because I'm a type A person who likes to do research, I went on to a message board in the early days of the internet, and I typed up my little question, what sort of underpinnings do they wear under the Cranach gown? Because I knew even then that no clothes of a historic nature just are worn without underpinnings. You can tell me there's only a shift under there, still an underpinning. You could tell me there's a pair of stays or petticoats, but there's something. They're not just starkers under that gown. <laughs> because the gowns are made out of velvets and silks and they'll get dirty, so there's something under there. And also, in the paintings, there are no body wrinkles. So no matter your body size, if you're not wearing underpinnings, there are body wrinkles when you move. Thin, not thin, in between, doesn't matter. If your body wrinkles, people have rolls. Underpinnings make them smooth out. So, this woman came on and she said, I hate when fat women, I quote, want to make a cranic gown. There are no underpinnings. You don't need anything. If you're thin, this will fit you fine. And guess what? I stopped making medieval clothes. So, I'm really big on underpinnings. And that story is like 25 years old, and it just makes my blood pressure boil now as a 43 year old. I'll probably make a granite gown and dance around and like. But <laughs> I'll help you. This evening, everybody should go oh. for Victoria, oh. uh, Victorian Secrets. Oh, that's right. You so get to see be. her and her underpinnings. You'll see my ankles. What time is it? At seven. 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 So it could be a case of like. I don't like them, but like a girdle or spanks could help if you really want to like hold things in place. But I want to set all spanks on fire. <laughs> uh, girdles slightly better. Rather wear a corset every day of the week. Oh, God. <laughs> so, just my two cents. Which is actually it's easier to get into. That's true. That was more like five dollars worth of conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it was helpful though. This is why I'm the problem child. Um, oh, part of the part of the description for the panel was cosplay is not consent. Mm. So I want to talk about that a little bit. Was there um, like a wild rash? This has been such a big thing at all. So, yeah. what so it's, yeah. it's the popularity of the pop culture conventions like uh, San Diego Comic Con and Phoenix Fan Fusion and so forth. Um, there's a lot more, it's become much more mainstream. And while the, the older or more established uh, fan culture kind of understands that a costume is, is a costume, they're not dressing in a slinky outfit to, to entertain somebody it's more as, right there's a there's been a large number of people who have not either grown up or been kind of indoctrinated into fandom who uh, have been inappropriate at these larger conventions to younger women who are dressed as superheroes who we know are drawn with interesting body shapes and um, right but it doesn't just happen to no, you. No, and it just doesn't, doesn't just happen to women. It happens to men. Men too. in kilts, yeah. men in tights, you know. Um, and and so it's yeah, it's it, it it really it's it kind of 
It, and there's, I mean, there's always, there's always been somebody who's who has at some point crossed the line at a convention, and and I wouldn't say every convention, but you know, it ha it has mm -hmm. happened. I would but say that would every be, convention, really. I would, yeah. I would yes, say I that we may not realize it, but yeah. pretty much every convention, somebody, somebody, yeah, has been. In in helping run them too, you know, I, you are like, wait, really? You know, and yeah. you see the, you know, non-invitables back, and the, you know, and whoever else, and it's like, oh, that's and, sad, and it, you know, or that's It's not even necessarily and, cosplay, but yeah, yeah, there has been, um, but yeah. the thing with the, the cosplay is not consent is, um, no matter how little or risque somebody's costume may be, it does not give anybody permission to touch without consent. And that, that, that's really where that kind of came from. And because it's such a larger thing now, and um, younger populations have been raised, I think, with a lot more awareness about consent and, um, and public behaviors and things of that nature in larger gatherings, I think that's where we're starting to see kind of the ball rolling to let everybody know, look, you know, this does happen. We need to be aware. Well, it's probably not gonna be you doing it, or you, but everybody being, being aware means that we'll see it and we'll put it a lot more often and we'll be able to stop. And, and it's not just touching. Right, I mean, no. it's inappropriate comments. Inappropriate, yeah. there, there have been uh, YouTubers that will go to these larger conventions, especially where they know there's gonna be lots of women in cosplay um, pretend so that they're they're interviewing them for their video and then that their partner in crime does something or asks something or says something inappropriately and um, there some of them get caught and get kicked out but a lot of times they're targeting uh, younger people who probably aren't confident enough to really just say hey that's not right well that's just new yeah, yeah, they're just new. This is their first time in a costume at a convention, and they, you know, got separated from their friends, or they came by themselves, and then all of a sudden they're targeted by these people. So, um, and that has that I think happens at every large convention now. Yeah, and uh, the thing is, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was um, gonna say I just think it's part of this journey that we're making yeah. as a society because certainly. Back in the 70s, when I was starting at work, a guy could make any comment he wanted, and there would be no consequences. And now there are consequences, you know, and, and people actually are far less likely to say, oh, that's just, you know, so-and-so, or, you know, you're being too thin-skinned, or, you know, just don't make a fuss. <laughs> I mean, that all still happens, but I think you're right, less it's improved. And um, I would say the conversation, I think, might seem newer than it is because the cosplay is not consent uh, handle has been around for at least seven, eight years in the con community. It's just more and more visible. I've just been costuming cons for 40 years, so yeah. Well, that yeah, is it's recent to me. It's recent to you, years, right. Yeah. But, uh, I hadn't heard it before either, but I, I'm, I like it. I'm glad. Uh, you know, it makes the rounds, and there was a video, what, seven, six, seven years ago. Yeah. A really nice video series of a bunch of cosplayers promoting this idea that no matter what you're wearing, you know, you shouldn't be shamed for it, you shouldn't be touched, you shouldn't be propositioned. I've been all of those things in costume, personally. And even recently, we were at an event in yes. costume, and um, this was so fun. <laughs> I was in my big bustle dress, and you know, like, it's actually really hard to get to skin on my body because I'm wearing so much. And I wanted a seat because I'm with a cane right now. So there's this empty seat by a gentleman, or uh, by a man. <laughs> and I said, sir, is that seat taken? May I take it? He goes, oh, no, you can take it. I, I really want to uh, get a piece of that ass. And I was like, oh, well, I'm really desperate for the seat, so I'm just going to sit here anyway and pretend like that didn't happen. It's weird. Oh, no. Did not stop there. 
that man actually burrowed as far into my skirt as he could so he could actually grab my ass. Wow. Mm. It was at the Tucson Ballet. I mean, <laughs> but okay, trust me, if I had been present, I wasn't present. But, but. but this is the thing. I'm damned if I do, damned if I don't. If I had assaulted him for grabbing my tush, everybody would have been like, Madame Askew beats people. Madame Askew has a thin skin. Madame Askew can't be appropriate in public. I'm hamstrung to what I can do. And I am also a representative of our costuming community at the Tucson Ballet. And we were invited as guests. Right, so I have to, I have to take a higher standard. So that is also part of the challenge as a costumer. You're much more on display and more visible than the people harassing you. Well, and as an interesting. entertainer, you're also, you're, there's a different level there as well. Yes. And people actually see uh, costumed entertainers more as, uh, as objects than carnival yeah. sometimes. Yeah. As a matter of fact, my husband was also. Uh, yes, same event. Same exact event was also sexually harassed. Those were just folks. Well, I think the average person who does a costume would inappropriately leap to the, if they don't want attention, they shouldn't be wearing costumes. I hear that from, from people in costume yeah. and out, yeah. I think that's the default position of non-costume. And that's and part that's of that. the difference the between attention and unwanted attention. Right. I right. mean, I, I, when I... Um, one of my favorite cosplays, especially at the larger um, conventions like uh, like Phoenix, uh, is Professor Trelawney. And I do that because the kids give me that attention and it just, it boosts me and, and they're having a great time. So yes, I am dressing in that costume for a specific kind of attention. But if, if somebody thought Trelawney was hot and came up and grabbed me, no, I'm not dressing in that costume for the whatever fetishist Trelawney fetishist. Trelawney slash You know, and, and you know, and, and you know, what is it, rule, what's the rule for, anyway. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's out there. If it's out there, there's a porn for it. Um, but, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> But, but, I mean, that's the thing, is that, um, yes, we may dress in costume to get attention in one way, but it's not an invitation for all attention. Right. Um, and still regardless, it's regardless of what you wear, it's not necessarily an invitation for all attention. Yeah. And that's, that's that part of the movement of, you know, making people aware and then teaching the etiquette of costuming, too, you know. So not as it only just the consent portion, but the etiquette to it as well of, you know, they're sitting down, you leave them alone. They're eating, you leave them alone. They're not up moving around, you leave them alone. They're heading you know, into the bathroom. Like, like, yeah. <laughs> please let them I, I, I'm, I'm standing at this stall, please do not talk to me. Like, <laughs> please don't ask me about my hat right now. It's also kind of a strange social thing where Giving someone a genuine compliment feels very personal, whereas saying something more offhand, it's it's kind of strange to yeah. say. I think that a guy might feel more comfortable saying, "Wow, your ass is great in that skirt," as opposed to, "Wow, that's a very beautiful skirt. I can tell that you worked really hard on it." In in a strange way, the latter is a more intimate conversation. Well, yeah, the former so, is 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 talking to an object. The yeah, latter is talking yeah. to a person. One hundred percent. So. As a aside, we run a game called Compliment Dueling, which is very much about learning how to talk to people as human beings and respect yourself as a human being. I have yet to see that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's so good. Um, if I do say so myself, but um, it's very hard for people to have that moment. You're right. It is more intimate, and frankly, as a redhead and a large-breasted woman, I have spent my life being objectified. So I'm really used to that sort of behavior. Doesn't mean I like it, but I know that they're just not looking at me as a human, which actually makes it less fun. Um, 
And one of the things I really want in my costuming community, in my convention community, is knowing that I can be a human being here and not just an object, which is, I think, part of having cosplay for everybody so that people feel like they are welcome to participate in the activity without being treated like, uh, you know, something that a random drunk fellow can just grab their ass. So great. So if you think costuming or cosplay is not consent, does that extend to photography as well? Or are people able to take pictures? Uh, well, we've got a photographer with the thoughts. Okay. Uh, one thing about uh, cosplay is I can say, you know, in terms of photography or professional photography or any personal kind of photographing, one of the rules for photographer is under no circumstances do you touch the model. There is a shit list going around to be published of photographers who have stepped over the line and made passes at the models. They have touched the models, and they have raped them. Oh yes, don't go to photo shoots alone. Never, yeah. ever. One of the other things is, if you ever do model someone, it is perfectly acceptable to bring the camera. If a photographer needs some adjustment on the model, either the model does it, uh, MAU makeup does it, or the companion does it. If I'm friends with a photographer and they're like, your hem is kicked up, can I shift it? Then I mean, yeah, you weren't having a- Yeah, without permission, that's different. Right. I mean, if they come up and they ask for permission, but you always ask for permission first. Well, and that shit list is also the kind of, gives a definition between um, somebody who does photography as uh, part of their living professionally and understands uh, the models are human beings and the creepy guy with the camera. Yeah, as a matter of fact, one of the terms that's going around now is GWC, guy with camera. Guy with camera. And, and it's unfortunate that it's always guy with camera, but I, I, I've run into some women who have, women who have, yeah, who have said, so, said and, and behaved a little inappropriate when they're, when they're photographing um, younger men in smaller costumes right um but um photography the the there's there's a debate sometimes um but really basically and this is just for anybody who wants to take sees a great costume wants to take a picture um it's best to ask if they are seated have like a they have a cool head but they've got it off if they're eating if they're talking to somebody wait or hopefully you can run into them again but candid photos a lot of times when they're not ready because a lot of times yeah especially cosplayers at the big pop culture conventions their dress is their favorite character they want to get into position they want they want to represent their costume in the best way they put a lot of time and effort into it so so be respectful ask first um, and uh, one of the things that I, I brought this up the last time we did this panel is be inclusive. So if you see a costume you really, really love, and that person is obviously with a group or another person who's also in costume but may not go with it, bring them in. Um, or take they, separate pictures. Right, or include them in some way. Take, bring them into that experience because, and, and the reason I bring this up is I saw two amazing Disney cosplays at Phoenix, well, it was Phoenix Comic Con back then. Um, one of them was Elsa and the other one was Ariel. And Ariel had a little flounder on her shoulder and she'd done a lot of work on it, but at the time, Frozen had just come out the year before and everybody was getting Elsa's picture and completely ignoring her. Um, that to me is it, it just it makes it makes her costuming her cosplay experience not not fun at all because she's put just as much effort into dressing up and and playing a character she really loves and her friend is getting all of the the praise and um, so yeah when you see that be inclusive 
because and, and it, it doesn't hurt I mean we've got it's not film anymore we got we got digital we got digital you can take a picture of her and then you can take a picture of her friend and or put them together I mean they were Disney princesses you gotta have them together um, so so that's if you're running around and you see you see a couple people or a group of people together try and at least get a shot of them together um, and also uh, the 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 guys with the big cameras the people with the big cameras walking around the best thing as a cosplayer getting a photo taken um, is when I get their business cards so I know where the hell to find that picture. <laughs> and well, it's, I want to say one of the things is when you're dealing with a professional cosplayer, a lot of professionals who do it or even the amateurs, which I'm really amateur, I haven't stepped over the line professionally, they will give you a card and we tell you where you can take a look at the pictures. Uh, as a matter of fact, one of the things that uh, I've run into with Bob West is a number of cosplayers come up and says, Hey, I'm just a friend I took my picture, but I haven't seen a photo of it. So, yes. I'm very, I was very happy, not initially, but I ended up being very happy that someone from, I think it was the Phoenix New Times gave me his card at Cyberton just after taking a photograph of me because that way I could hand it to security when I left for the day and be like, uh, patrons, where are the rules? Because he just like grabbed my arm and tried to reposition them. Didn't ask me, didn't anything. Yeah, it's good to be able to have the name for a lot of reasons, right? Yeah. And I think that's um, a really good point. The, the costumer, the, the photographers, Big cameras who are on the up and up will give you contacts or name some way to know who they are obviously people who are just there with their cell phones are going to be putting it up on their social media you'll probably never see those photos or if you do you'll be like oh my gosh that photo of me went viral how exciting <laughs> who was that random person who took my photo yeah it doesn't always work but uh, one of my friends was particularly proud of a costume they did for San Diego and actually made up cards with a, a hashtag and their their um, social media so that whoever took photos could then tag them. Nice. Uh, doesn't always yeah. work. Some people just upload and go, hey, I got this random whatever, or don't even say anything. They just upload all their photos or whatever. But having that and being like, okay, you know, this, did you like my Trelawney? You know, tag me on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah where do you go with the costume? This is a good one. Yeah. <laughs> this is an awkward situation, and I'm interested to hear all this because, as you know, Wendy, I work as an artist. A posed picture is absolutely useless to me. If I'm looking at a costume for art reference, you need motion. I need, I need, I need some, a natural motion. Often I need weird angles. I mean, the, the picture that you that comes to mind about you were talking about Candid. Um, just a few days ago, I was going through pictures, some pictures I had taken at Gen Con, and what I had taken, somebody had elf ears on, and I take it from behind, which is an angle that's almost impossible to get right mm -hmm. and look good. Ears are hard anyway. But all I really needed. I mean, I have no idea. I mean, I don't even remember that if there was anything else to the costume. I'm looking at maybe a particular way the cloth falls, or ears, or a hat, how it sits exactly on her head. That I'm looking for something different than you as a cosplayer are putting out, but you are providing me something and i have used it at my friend yeah you're but you're but you're looking at it you're not looking at it as a as a as a public medium at that point that's something to work on for your art and i i honestly i because i and i take candid photos at conventions in crowds mm -hmm. um if they're up and they're moving around I, that it you know especially like on a vendor floor or something where you've got like 15 great costumes in front of you and it's like hey look at this crowd shot and you might get just the right moment or you might get something like that while you're doing that 
but if you want to get the full costume, you yes. should ask. Yes, I agree. And you're not going to grab them and move them. Right, you, yeah, you're not going to be like, oh, I need that ear, turn your head, you right. know, whatever. But um, and, and I, you know, I have worked photographing models, and it is hard. I usually, I've been fortunate over the years to have friends I can use, and I can say, you know, let me drape that over your shoulder the right way, you know, or whatever, and I am handling them. And it is a very weird mental set because they become a doll. I mean, you talk about objectifying. I don't see these people anymore. When I've got the camera and I'm looking for, but, you, but you've already gotten consent to drape to work with change. them. You can, yeah, you're not doing it without that. No, and and these are people I know. I mean, right. To, yeah. I mean, I have. I. I it I'm, is definitely a different a different perspective on things. If you're. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and I could see where where you would see something at a convention where you're like, that would be perfect I for a thing. I people's boots. Right. You know, that would I be mean, perfect for a so thing. I know I need boots and I've had a problem with this and your boots are perfect. Can I take a picture of them while you walk past? Or even if they're just walking past, they're not going to know you're using that for their... Yeah. That it, but that's different. You're not uploading that to the internet. Yeah. Um, and also, I, think, I don't know. It's been there. Well, I mean, I think there's also this thing. There are levels. There are levels, right? I think if we go out in a public space, especially these days, at a convention, in crowds, um, some cards will even say, like, you're here, you consent to be in photographs as a blanket. There's no assumption of privacy. Yeah, you. there are going to be those group photos. I know when I'm taking a picture of someone in a costume, even if I've gotten there direct, like, hey, can I get your picture? I don't try and get the 50 people in the background. It's unfeasible. Um, but I'm also, again, I'm not trying to get the creepiest shot possible of the 50 people in the background. And so there's a little bit of that intent. Um, and I do try, if I'm getting a person or a group, a specific group of people I like, try and at least make eye contact and like share my phone and like head nod and if they give me the head nod then I'm like yeah take the picture like yeah can I right, uh -huh. right? or yeah. if I'm like across the room Stanley go Stanley go that was a recent one a guy dressed as Stanley's ghost I'm like I need your picture <laughs> and he's like cool. a million people was... are trying to get my picture I'm like great I'll just jump in <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay too if they're hurting five minutes. Five minutes. Yes. Yes. Uh, go ahead yes. right. sorry this is, this is a super short case, it's not really much. The funniest photo op I've ever seen at a con, there was a superb Darth Vader, voice modulator, a bunch of Imperial guards walking down the hallway, and there was this half-assed Princess Leia slave girl, walks up to him and says, can I get a picture with you? Can my boyfriend take a picture with you? And Darth Vader looks down and says, anything for my little girl. That's convention I have one other quick story which just happened back to some time. One thing I always do is if I photograph a child, I get the parent to just do one shot. So I was walking through and this little kid, I thought this girl or boy, dressed head and toe like a plant. Oh, Something plant. And you know, the parent was standing, or dad was standing there, or his dad. So what I did is I had him moved into it, and he actually put his arms around his kid that took the picture. That was my favorite shot from that convention. That, that brings up, uh, just real quick, um, photographing kids, I never ever upload a photo of a kid that's recognizable without the parents knowing I'm gonna do it. Um, I found out the hard way, I was at an SCA event, photographed group scenes, kids there, find out later, the guy's an undercover cop, can you please take these off the internet? So yeah, because um, because if they had recognized him in those images, she would have been in danger. So yeah, um, always check when you when if it's a cute kid. Hopefully there's a parent around. <laughs> right. so I don't take pictures of kids unless the parents are. Yeah, and I always give them at least one shot. Yeah, that's that's a really good plan. We've got two minutes. There's one aspect of inclusiveness that we haven't really covered, and that's um, more people of color. Yes. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, we are starting to see them here, which I'm, I'm very pleased about. But uh, how do we how do we make everybody feel welcome in that way? Well, I mean, we we have to be open and engaging. I mean, that's that's how you get anybody to join. Okay, is just to be open and engaging and treat everybody equal and hopefully they'll feel comfortable. I mean, if we can provide an environment that all people can feel comfortable, doesn't matter what color you are, doesn't matter how large you are, how small you are, um, what type of physical ailments you have, if we can provide an, a, a, an inclusive environment for them and just be open and engaging and accepting, then they'll start to spread the word. It's, it's about letting them know that it exists too. You know, um, I always you know, want to introduce myself as I'm a closet cosplayer because I didn't come out of the closet for cosplay until after I was married. You know, and I was a jock in high school. I played sports. I, you know, and all of my family read books and used imagination and did those other things. And I was like, please. And then I was like, oh, yeah, Western and, you know, fun things and dressing up. And, yeah, now it's life. But introducing it, you know, and saying, hey, look at this fun thing you can do. I teach. And so... I put the Wild West Con posters up in my room. I put the Coco Con posters up in my room. I'll put the Tusk Con posters up in my room now. And, and those things, and it's like, hey, you can do this, and you can use these things. And at a student go, Mr. Pike, you're on somebody's webpage, you and your wife. What? <laughs> yeah, for some steampunk convention. Oh, yes, I was. Here, we let me were. Tell you about yeah, that. Let me, yeah. Let's talk about that. Well, this is fun. You the, know? But the, the, the question about underrepresented groups, is, and I think it, it, the fundamental, and this goes way outside of costuming, is um, people, ch children especially, um, need have a need to have characters and fiction that they can identify with and if we don't consume that same representation those people are not going to the writers the artists they're not going to be at made as mainstream and they're not going to be as visible so we it's it's on us to make it more visible for these there's some incredible stuff out there that still isn't getting awards and nominations and and the, the readership that it really should, and that representation needs to happen for, for people to be able to see it. Uh, we'll add one last thing, because I know we need to scamper. I make a point as a programmer to invite different people, because it's very easy to just invite the same faces. So when I'm out and I see a person of color, or an LGBTQ person, or you know someone with issues, of mobility or other physical challenges who's doing cosplay and they're articulate and they're passionate about their art, I invite them to be panelists on every topic. I don't just do diversity in cosplay panel and then don't include people. I think it's very important not only to be welcoming but to invite people in. Yes. So, yeah. Thank you. Thanks. 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 Thank you.
Hi guys! If you're a fan of reading like I am, and you've been looking to try out Audible.com for audiobooks, we have a link for a free 30-day trial. So go ahead and check out audibletrial.com slash Network. That's audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L dot com slash Network. Thanks! Thank you for listening to the Creative Play and Podcast Network. And feel free to enjoy our other shows, such as D&D Journey of the Fifth Edition and Scion Ragnarok and Roll, a Scion hero to Ragnarok story. Thank you for listening.